Hello, listener. Welcome again to the only anti-Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast on the planet, the last bastion of resistance against the lizard people's cultural hegemony. Hegemony. Uh, I'm Discourse Stew, a.k.a. Tyrell James. With me, as always, is... Hi, I'm Nicole, and um, yeah, Winter Soldier is not a good movie, okay? Come at me. Um, yeah, this is, you, you messaged, I was like, I messaged you on Discord 20 minutes into the movie when I realized, oh no, the Russo brothers are allergic to actual sets and long takes, and so this entire movie is just, most of it is badly composited green screen. And really any elements of style that aren't pastiche. Like you could, it's you can tell they oh, watched. I messaged you when you were like, "I'm so sorry that I I know what it's like <laughs> when something bad doesn't or something doesn't live up to your expectations upon review." And I'm like, I was just like, "Oh, honey, don't be sorry for me. I've I've finally like I've I've I knew deep down this was probably going to have aged as bad as the first Iron Man movie, and it did." Um. I used to have this movie ranked as like a four star and a heart movie on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, no, that's that's this this movie gets two and a half stars. The half star is because of the uh, queer reading you can uh, read into it that makes the story much more interesting, yeah, if, if you... even though it's like a total projection. And because Chris Evans has a really tight wife beater in that one scene, and he looks great. I saw that, and, and, and I immediately and also, thought of And you. also because the two like male leads are like really hot. I, I'm, I'm, they, they I'm not the immune to Chris re- Evans. Listen, I'm not. We've, like, I think we've I'll well established it. that. <laughs> we've very well established it, but like... Oh my, like, like if, if, he, just, if, he, if he just sent you like one of those like um, <laughs> cameo, like 10 second voice clips, it's like, come on. Come on, you'd bump the movie back I would, up. I would absolutely love stars. that. No, I would. I would. I would if he was like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, but like, think. I think what really puts us into perspective is just thinking in, compar- in comparison to First Avenger, which has all those nice, like, pulpy elements, has some practical sets. It has some style. Like, it feels like a movie. Yeah. And it looks like a movie, and yeah, there are some like at, at least CG like some stuff, of the time. But like, it is. I am not looking at people standing in front of giant windows that they are clearly not standing in front of because the actor is standing in front of a green screen, and those windows were either shot on location somewhere else or completely the invention of a green of a it, uh, foot like. The visual effects algorithm. It's honestly, it's com- it's almost comedic the way this movie it's, looks. Here's here's the thing: the worst kind of green screen shot is the green screen shot against a bright environment or background, because the way they have to light them. Because you go the thing with the green screen is yeah. you have to light the whole screen consistently. Yeah. So that the chroma key works, so that the computer knows it's all that one specific shade of green is replaced everything with. So you always have this this. Or not always, but you tend to have this like overbright, flat TV show lighting and this extra like 
soft sheen bloom that it feels like you're playing Elder Scrolls Oblivion with the default settings on. Um, and I just hate the way that looks. I hate it so much. I would ray rather have rear projection or like, like, yeah. like, oh, like kind of crappy, like late 80s blue screen, almost anything else other than that it just i just hate the way it looks so much and this movie has way too much of it like so much of this movie looks like that one shot at the climax of uh david lynch dune where uh they're like riding on top of the oh where where they're riding on the sandworm yeah they're where they're riding on the sandworm but at least that doesn't have that bad lighting thing right because that's rear projection yeah on top of the light so at least it's like better lit this movie this movie um and I, I really hope this this is our like big breakthrough episode because this is obviously this is regarded as like the best or at least one this, of this the is, best. This is Marvel where we movies. diverge, where we go, no, actually this is also one of the crappy ones. Not it's not like I it's mean, not we said Hulk. that about the first Iron Man. Yeah, but we were we, we still had like like I think like it was still like fine. It was just not as good as we remembered. Um, but this is really like it's it's not like Hulk Thor two bad. Um, no, no, God, it's not. Like it's it's, not it's like, still that like I, you could no. watch it on an airplane. You know the cast is good enough. The the action's okay. Um, uh, Sebastian, I want to hats off to fucking Sebastian Stan's performance in here. He does. I I I commend you. He's he's. I think he kind of for. He, he doesn't have a lot. Very little Winter Soldier in, in the, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. That's movie, the problem. That's, but... that's a big problem with this movie. Um, so I but guess what we'll just jump. What he does get to do is. So like... do do you want to do your plot summary? So then we can just yeah, range around. Yeah, let me, so we can just yeah. So just bang this out. Um, I'm I'm gonna sound a little, if not quite bitter. Um, I heard as, myself as, Yeah, well, today. as as we all know, kind of Captain America was my. Uh, road into the MCU fandom and I was like really into it for quite a while um hell I even presented a like paper on uh fucking Agent Carter at the same conference that I presented at like this at the same time like in the same room another girl presented her research paper that was basically on a Stucky fan fiction and Looking into like queer subculture in twenties and thirties Brooklyn, New York. I gotta be honest, like Stucky's Stucky sounds like a brand of jam. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's, but but you, you it's the ship name. It's the I, ship I know. It's just you're gonna have to get it just used to sounds like saying, a brand of a jam. Lot. <laughs> this is that's gonna be a fun conversation, but um, let's uh, if for for those aren't who aren't familiar with this movie. Or don't want to watch it. Good, good. Don't, don't. So I'll just tell you what happens in it. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, or the movie that launched a couple hundred thousand AO3 effects, is generally regarded as one of the best entries in the MCU. Some even argue it's a good conspiracy thriller that can stand toe-to-toe with films like The Parallax View and Three Days of the Mm. Condor. If you had asked my dumbass in 2015, I definitely would have agreed despite not seeing either of those movies until a week ago. 
Thankfully, I've put on my They Live glasses and I can finally see the noxious truth residing underneath the surface of a poor algorithmic facsimile. Like Iron Man, Winter Soldier is a politically shallow blockbuster that gestures towards being more progressive than it actually is. Not only that, it postures itself as real cinema for grown-ups when it's actually Kevin Feige's greatest grift. In the house style that the Russo brothers built, Man Out of Time Steve Rogers has his morals and worldview tested when he discovers that the quasi-covert multinational law enforcement agency he's been working for has a Nazi problem. Not even S.H.I.E.L.D. was safe from Operation Paperclip, and now the Hydra deep state that's grown within the superhero World Police Agency is going to use CGI hell carriers to remotely kill anyone deemed subversive to the algorithm. Worse still, his beloved platonic life partner Bucky Barnes has returned from the grave as the Winter Soldier, a secret Soviet assassin in Hydra's brainwashed asset with a metal arm and Gerard Way eye makeup. Joined by reformed KGB lady spy Black Widow and yet another new hairdo, and his new black friend Anthony Mackie, it's up to Captain America to save the institutions that invited Nazi collaborators into their ranks and stop a government agency from using people's personal data to drone them to death. If you don't remember this movie being good, then it's probably because you read a homoerotic subtext between Captain America and the Winter Soldier to distract yourself from all the horribly composited green screen and blindless faith in the inherent integrity of our political institutions. You may even consider yourself a leftist who had canon Steve Rogers as a bisexual New Deal socialist who will save us from Peter Thiel-funded podcasts. As a reformed Marvel fan, I'm here to tell you that you've been duped by the directors of You, Me, and Dupree. Captain America the Winter Soldier is the true death knell of cinema, and we are here to warn you before Feige and company turn you into brainwashed assets, too. Mic drop. Mic drop. Well done. The real Hydra is Disney, which is also S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're the same thing, and there's no difference. Um, and that's like, because like, so like, the plot of this movie is really about Hydra infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and the government, and they're responsible for causing all the terrorism to destabilize things so that they can justify taking more power, and they're Nazis, and it's... it. Well, they're not quite Nazis. They kind of avoid it being like a race thing. It's just sort of like a uh, vaguely oh, totalitarian they never bring up the question of race. It's just a no. vaguely totalitarian will assert order through authority kind of thing, which is like not weird politically. Like if you actually like set aside like Robert Redford kind of villain monologuing, it's like that's the exact shit politicians say all the time, even liberal ones, especially maybe liberal ones. Um but that's like my, one of my big beefs with this movie. And this is like, like I, I say, like we talk about the politics of these things for what they kind of reflect, but it's like good politics doesn't make a good movie, but um, a movie that is trying explicitly to be political, then it becomes like a criteria for actually evaluating the movie as art and entertainment. Um, and the conspiracy in this is, well, one, it's boring and it's stupid. There's not a lot of twists and turns. You just kind of get the whole thing explained to you by a computer, like, halfway through the movie. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, because this this also reveals, um, because by by this time, their Marvel Studios already had a couple of TV shows that were airing. Agent Carter was one of them, and it was canceled, I think, in 20, yeah, it was canceled in 20, officially canceled in 2016. I think it was still airing at the time 
this movie was on or had just Oh, that went for a while. I thought it was only like one or two Um, seasons. It it only had two seasons, but the other show, it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like set up most of the plot points for like this to happen. Like the whole thing with the, the fucking CGI boat at the beginning mission. Like that was all set up. By Agents of Shield, so it's like they're it's like Marvel is starting to like deliberately be like, oh, if you want to get this part, you gotta watch the TV show. So you don't actually marketing thing need the TV show to understand what's happening in the movie, right? It's just I think where everything ties together, but also every piece can be consumed individually for all the people that won't, and it also means you get that contrary. Like I'm sure, like the stuff that ultimately happens in this movie and how everything concludes doesn't match tonally or pacing wise or the buildup of what's in the show. I imagine the show being a show, it's like a very slow unveiling kind of the whole thing. No, it no, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aired on ABC. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying. This is a, this is a prestige television. I'm just saying too, when a movie on. made by a bunch. No, what I'm, I'm not saying it was good or anything. I'm just saying when a movie made by a bunch of other totally different people comes in to can include a plot line started in a TV show that's like made way over here on by this other group of people. The the actual elements probably don't like if I was to watch the show, I would guess that they don't actually mesh very well. Um, yeah. Uh, and because we're, we're not doing we're not doing the shows, I think, generally for this. Maybe, no. Maybe, no, God, no. Maybe may, I mean, I'm just saying th- theoretically, maybe one or two of the like really short ones. Um, yeah, I like we I'm might have to do WandaVision Shield. maybe because that was like the really big one. Um, and that tied directly They're into one of the, the movies. Big one. I, that one seemed way big bigger ones. than the other ones, other than um, I mean, I remember Daredevil, Jessica, Jessica Jones, like at least the first season. Like, I, I will give Jessica Jones credit, like, uh, David Tennant's character in that is like the scariest villain, I think. In J- Jessica Jones or, was like comic book was villain or depiction yeah. of it than like. That I've like seen, I uh, maybe not ever, but like it's he's fucking scary as shit. Um, but speaking of television, like we we oh sorry, I need to I need to get to my my point. I got derailed. Okay, then I want to talk about why this movie kind looks like crap. (laughs) So um, the the conspiracy is boring. Um. It's just in ex- in ex- in in content and in execution, and it's also politically. It's like, well, all the problems came from Nazis infiltrating otherwise good institutions and government, um, and the reason we should be careful about giving them maybe too much power, but we gotta give them some power, is um, uh, in case someone bad gets in and takes over it. But it's the real world is that like if 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 Shield, even though Shield's also kind of XCOM, where it's like international, it's it's also basically the CIA and yeah, the NSA the CIA, and stuff. And like, and the yeah. whole thing, like the real like history, and you don't have to look too far to find it, is the Nazis didn't infiltrate the CIA. The CIA co-opted the Nazis and subordinated the Nazis to the CIA's agenda of a system of, of, of global liberal capitalism. When I say liberal, I don't mean lowercase l, nice liberal Lawn i mean capital sign. l your um your like mom's we will, friend who's like really into crystals no I, I mean capital l liberal which means we will execute we, we will kill ten thousand people in a coup 
to make sure that a dictator comes in and and like uh, allows our corporations to do business. Um, and that's so that's just kind of really frustrating is is and you see this with a lot of these kinds of stories is, oh, we we, we need to be a little skeptical of power. But when there is a problem, it, it's some ex- exogenous force. It's something coming in from the outside to corrupt or pollute it. And it's never just built in and homegrown, um, which it, it is. That's the thing it is. Uh, so that that's my basic political problem with the, the movie in a nutshell. It, it mirrors what we've had to say about the Iron Man movies, um, which also kind of brushed up uh, to the to sort of uh, parallel... Uh, gestural critiques at the arms industry and the war on terror and and so on. I, I'm sure it'll be the same thing with Captain America: Civil War. Um, yeah, I, I think that you're yeah, you and you said you like had to turn that off like halfway through. You just couldn't. yeah, but I wasn't because I was mad at it for its dumb politics. Is because I was I got high bored? to watch it and I was so bored. Oh. <laughs> I was bored and I was confused and everybody's every character's <laughs> motivations seemed really, really stupid and contrived and the action really sucked. And so I just turned it off. I was just like, I am not enjoying this even a little tiny bit, even at the base level that you might like enjoy Iron Man three or, or uh, uh, yeah. the first Captain America movie. Or yeah. Something. No, just to, to, to also piggyback on that statement, like when you Strip everything away, like, in just basic what this movie does politically is it is what it is saying is that, like, you know, these institutions that America, you know, quite like Captain America himself, like these these are institutions that are inherently good, but, you know, they just grew a... They've just been corrupted. We need to cut the cancer out. We need like this. It's a reformist, like hashtag resistance view of like fighting against the like internal like deficiencies people see in democracy and like oh it's fascism. Like we gotta get rid of the fascism without realizing, baby, no, it's been there since the very beginning yeah yeah it's it's built built into the foundation baby it's in the it's in the floor plans like like it it, it's like this is uh, is, it's you don't have capitalism without that sort of like other you don't like capitalism and fascism go hand in hand yeah yeah it'll always like emerge out of it right it'll always be the it's, it's, or at least, at, yeah, at the very least, a form of authoritarianism, if not fascism. Well, I, I'd say in a broad sense, like you can say, like yeah. fascism is sort of like capitalism's antibodies. It's its immune system. It uh, it flares up when uh, it enters a crisis, and the crisis can't be resolved through the normal uh, institutions yeah. of power. So something new comes along to to shake things up until it can kind of unjam itself. Um, and that yeah, doesn't it, mean but this like, movie, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and yeah, and here it's like, oh no, the fascism came from outside and was like the alien 
Uh, it was like an alien invasion as opposed no, to... No, like literally like, like the alien from Alien where it, it's like... Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, it was put in us and it popped out of our chest. Surprise. It's like... Yeah. No, it's... No, it, and as if like we weren't like fertile or... No, deliberately laying fertile ground and just like handing out invitations to... That too, but I just mean... Werner von Braun and like... I mean, America had plenty of its own Nazi Holocaust science, homegrown fascism. Like, like if, like, in in a modern sense, you could argue like American fascism starts with uh, the 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 reactionary movement against Reconstruction, way before there's Nazis. Um, In in a very general, if we're going to use a broad definition of of fascism or proto-fascism in America, at least, and the the. I'm pretty sure the Nazis look to American like slavery and the American slave system as like part of the brainstorming sessions behind the fucking Third Reich and the final fucking solution. And and like, uh, uh, America's proud. Well, I mean, much of the the uh, the the developed world's proud history of like eugenics through the first half of the 20th century. Yep. Um, and we hate. The point is, we hate America. The the, the point. The point is. That whole, well, we just get the bad individuals out and, like, tweak a couple things and be vigilant. That doesn't work. The, the system the, 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 the system creates the bad people to put into power to keep the system operating. Um, it, it makes the good people that go into it into bad people to keep the system operating. And that is yeah. the thing that any of these big, vaguely liberal movies cannot bring themselves to say or or depict not even because of some like oh the military industrial uh the the army guys who rubber stamp when we want to use a helicopter said we can't or the government said we can't or the it's it's i don't think it's even in the minds of any of the people that works on these movies in the first place to think of it that way because it is outside the prevailing ideology it just exists in um in null space like you have to clip through the floor of regular thought and ideas and narratives uh of american society into the blue hell where your character model just flails forever to to actually even get to thinking about it that way which which isn't to self-aggrandize us it's just the 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 further in you go the further up the ladder you go the more you're going to tend to just accept your your thought world as it is because it's working for you. Um, so it's not even like the people that made this are bad or secretly fascist or, or work for the CIA, no, although no, some of that God, stuff hap- does happen. It's just um, no, they no, can't they even think that... Good at, like hashtag resistance lives. Yeah, and if they could, if they had the the whatever it is that like allows you to to, to break through that shell... And have that different perspective, that more systemic, in, in a in a real literal sense, critique. That you're a lot less likely to be allowed to write these kinds of movies. <laughs> yeah, or and I think the or, same thing also applies to, like the we'll we'll get to this later, of course, because it is it is a Pride Month, so we gotta. Yeah, we got a whole. Of course, we t- we timed this perfectly, so we would talk about the the quintessential gay entry. In the MCU, I'm the, joking, of the course. Gay, the, the gay entry the gay, into, yeah. into Captain America's anus by, um, by the Winter Soldier. But, like, you know, it wasn't like Kevin Feige and, like, all the Marvel Studios 
executives and board of directors and whatnot were sitting around a table being like, all right, for this Captain America movie, we're going to fucking queer bait. Like, that's that's not a thing that happened. We're going to put um, queerness we'll, on we'll a little hook like, and throw it out into the ocean. Yeah, it's 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 more in terms of like just it, like a circle like it's but they certainly also weren't like gonna turn their nose up at marketing or like building or fueling a like discernible fan base that was like already growing by this point that was like vocal and very engaged in fandom like that's your so I, audience, so throw them some scraps. So, so I, I, I think we should uh, establish just like a foundation for this yeah. this whole concept. I don't know how familiar it will be to everyone listening. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. But it's because I this is gonna be fun. I get to kind of uh, show you the ropes or introduce you to some of the key quintessential. See, uh, the 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 ropes brain, the ropes brain, uh, that uh, Bucky that... is blasting all over Captain America's face. Well, no, well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's just it's just funny because I'm just going to keep saying shit like that. that. I'm sorry. Me, this is this is where it's very clear that me and Stu kind of like came of age on different kind of corners of the internet, or kind of like came from it. Like this is this is where it's... I come from the Tumblr side of of the internet, so I saw like the the development of the Steve and Bucky fandom like just take off like it was just like it was like fucking super hulak or like one of those stereotypical like uh tumblr fangirl things like it was fucking huge and it bled into everything um so it's it's just been funny like having to sort of explain to you like oh it's you know why like women especially are really into in, um, into and emotionally invested in like fictional men fucking each other and desiring and longing well, each other. women have a divot um, in their skull. Yeah, women have a... See, it's 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 the wife... It's what waifus are to, like, guys. Like, women have their gay-ass ships. Except but, with guys, much. you it's just like ship the, the waifu it, it with the, yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um... But to go back to the the thing I was saying earlier about why this movie looks terrible, uh, it's because the Russos, like, are TV guys, or they really had their first success in television. They did do a couple movies. Like, I think their their first movie was produced by Steven Soderbergh, who was the one who called up Kevin Feige and was like, hey, look, these these two uh, property brother guys, uh, I mean... Uh, they put putting in a good word for him. So we kind of had Steven Soderbergh to blame for the Russos in a way. Um, I, 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 I haven't seen a movie of his I've really liked. So it's... we also have him to blame for. Um, I always want to call her Carla Gugino, but that's a totally different actress. Um, oh, the, the, the mom from Spy Kids? I always want to call her that, but it's not her name. It's something else. But no. the one who came out of MMA, who was in The Mandalorian, until oh, she got that lady. Uh, oh, until no. she got Gina Carrero. Gina, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her first big movie was a Soderbergh movie called Havoc, or Haywire. Okay, Haywire. yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which which has um, some kind of cool fight scenes in it, but also also a movie that has like a conspiracy plot that just kind of 
flops around and doesn't really go anywhere and it ends <laughs> but it has some cool yeah. fight scenes at least um so so the reason the russo brothers like basically got picked to direct this like oh, poor fucking joe johnson like joe johnson makes like arguably the best of the mcu movies thus far like and, and they're just like no he they just say no he's a real director we gotta kevin feige and and friends we need we need someone who's actually gonna like listen there, to us there's and, almost like, something sadistic these certain things about in the, movie. the way they hire i mean not not the russo brothers i mean i've got nothing against them i'm sure they would be really well suited to certain kinds of movies well, they, they were just um, doing fucking television yeah. before I, I, although they did direct like the pilot episode of uh arrest development so yeah a lot of arrest development not, not a lot of community of good... um which is they, why like yeah, they... uh, abed is in this yeah. movie for five seconds um yeah i think and i think it was based on a couple community episodes they had directed they, yeah because they community the would do these like various um like a lot of shows, but like Dan Harmon really, I think, leaned on this a lot, which was just an episode that's just a pastiche of a type of movie or a genre or something. And in particular, they had ones where it's like, oh, the the gang goes paintball fighting and it gets really over the top intense and we do it like it's this or that style of action movie. Um, and I think it was they did those competently enough. They're like, well, here, yeah. make a real movie of this type. But it's like but, it's it's one thing when you're doing it as a joke on a TV show where you can have it like where you can rely on a lot of like kind of mid digital effects. It doesn't matter as much because you're you're doing jokes for a TV show. Ultimately, it's, it can look. Uh, it doesn't have to really impress you aesthetically. Right. And it you see the limitations of that where they're just kind of doing pastiches of styles of movie here where I mean, the action's and fine it's too. it's okay it's not like terrible but it's like really again like you're just not and and like good at like this is one like, i think about a lot a good action it's hard to quantify what really makes a good action sequence right like it's because it's a lot of little things that make well, kind of okay watch it one of the things i was thinking about was like well i like I think the stunt choreography, like the fight choreography in this movie is good. Yes, I'd, I'd is, say that. There's way too much. They're over edited. Way over edited. Because they're, like, they're, the, they're doing the born shit. Yeah, the, well, and like the Russos are just like allergic to single like long takes. Like, like a, like there's, there's one part in, a, in, um, Oh my! There's there's a part in Three Days of Condor where Robert Redford's fighting this guy, and it's mostly just like a, a like a wide shot, like you know you're seeing them complete like certain moves, and it's not constantly cutting between like different. Yeah, it's cameras. not snapping all these close ups to um, rely on pacing to compensate for. It feels other like things. you're watching an actual fight. Yeah, like you're you're standing in one location, like long shots and long takes um and and just to have so much like it it offers a, a like a much more sort of um it or at least it allows fight choreography i think to really impress that you've got to be like oh you know this isn't just like all cobbled together and yeah 
But I think, um, and and I'm not claiming to be a fight choreography expert. Well, it is. At it, all. The thing I is, just is remember that people really laud this movie for its it's it's fight harder. It's harder to uh, longer takes where you see everything are harder to do because everything needs to fit together and you need to get it done in one good one. Nothing can kind of, it's like live music yeah. versus recording into a garage band where you can just like re redo any little piece separately. Um and that's why they do it. I mean part of it is it became just kind of after the born moves, it just kind of became like a style like handheld, lots of quick cuts. It makes it very yeah. it's makes it everything feel really exciting and quick and audiences are accustomed to that and they might think not doing that is more boringer, but it's also makes it easier to do fight choreography because you can just get little snippets of it and stitch them together however you want. Um, and it's a lot easier to hide like a stunt man or, 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 or something like the one, the best fight in this movie is when he just, it's just like, you know, movies always have that where you're just like, you take out a bunch of mooks. Then there's one particularly big, tough mook and he has no personality or, or role in the movie. Yeah, He's yeah. just a mook that's yeah. bigger and tougher than all the other mooks. So you can have a longer mm -hmm. fight with him. I, I to be can I just say really quick when when you say mooks I always like it's I, it's not a I'm slur like, he's not saying a racial slur no. right and I'm just like oh no it's just he's just Canadian no a uh, goon mook yeah uh, yeah henchmen it's, it's the, 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 the at least the I think the American and and enemy NPC um yeah. No, and she was not racist. Everybody mid, you know, like a, a mid. They, like in video games, they call them mini bosses. Um, yeah, there's just the, a, a guy who's not really that different from all the other guys you fought, but he's just like three times bigger. as tough for some reason, a little bit bigger. Yeah, um, and he's not like a real boss fight. And that fight's the best one in the movie because it's it's like it's almost like if you're watching someone play Street Fighter or something. It does have the the quick cuts in. But a lot of it's just this one shot in profile panning or uh, tracking back and forth as they go back and forth fighting. And it makes it with with longer takes and it makes it even though it's just two guys brawling, it easily Wait, makes which, it the most fight scene are you in like the hangar about? right at the beginning. Oh, OK, because I I mean, I think the best fight scenes are the ones between um, Steve and Bucky. Well, they're just, they're probably they're purely, the more dramatically it's, it's, charged it's the ones. Yeah, but I'm talking. More I'm, I'm talking just in terms of technical execution. Um, okay, it's the because I I think in terms of technical execution again over edited. Um, yeah, just too too many quick cuts. Just not letting the fight choreography speak for itself in a way because it's it's clearly very good. Fight choreography. Yeah, like, this, this is the one, one fight where, where you like, can really where appreciate Bucky's, it. Where like, has the knife and he's like, that, like, that's actually Sebastian Sand. Like, he learned for this movie how to, like, professionally handle a knife. Like, he's doing, they're doing those actual moves. Like, the a lot of the, most of the stunt choreography, like, Scarlett Johansson does is real. And it's just, like, a real shame that, that you 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 just, just like we gotta be we gotta see be little close ultimatum. ups and snippets of it yeah, um, but it, it just like it it really under and I mean it's I can tell as much as there's a lot of terrible green screen and like whole CGI sets oh my God, in this so, movie they, they did have oh like God. real cars smashing into each other and stuff oh yeah of course that um, God that was real at real least cars the cars explode and that's good and that's like. Again, though, like the execution, you can't 
appreciate that it's even happening and it's really frustrating it's just kind of a stock action it's like if you had like you know sometimes video editors will just or not really video but like that like your your like home movie built into windows or apple thing will just be like make a make a slideshow for me and it'll auto do the ken burns effect and sync it to music and it feels like this had like a plug-in that's like action movie editing and it just takes all the shots and does that um but that's the thing with all these movies is even when they're potentially at their best or most interesting, they are required to be generic. They're required to be something that will not scare or confuse or alienate people. It's it's supposed to be the most familiar, comfortable, undemanding possible experience because it's supposed to be everything for everybody. Um, and that's the thing. Like this movie, it was like the even the marketing, like it's all... Oh, the MCU does a conspiracy thriller like the Parallax, you know, and it's like barely. It's like they have their 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 no. thing, yeah. and then they're just like, "Well, we want to get this audience, or we want to do this type of movie, so we'll they, just." And they got Robert we'll, Redford. We'll just weave like ten percent of of whatever that thing is into the formula. It's like just the slightest bit, yeah. just just the same gruel, but just like a little hint of paprika in one, and a little hint of cinnamon in another. Um, just barely, just just the just the slightest um, thing, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Is that as movies get as movies get eaten up by giant corporations, as they get integrated into synergistic, mutually reinforcing mega franchises um, that try to just create a whole fictional landscape for you to just get sucked into and bounce around in so that they can own your brain. Um, individual moves. Let's see. Cause you see, you see people online defending this. They go, well, you know, it's like you can get a, a horror movie in the MCU and you can get uh, a, a, a conspiracy thriller in the MCU and this type of movie and a, a, a drama about having cancer in the MCU. And it's like, you can, <laughs> you're but you're soon, getting a, a diluted, watered down version of all those things by virtue of it having yeah. to fit into the MCU. Nothing yeah. can stand on its own and and have just like the one set of things it tries to do well um, thematically or on a technical level or level of execution. And that's that's why this represents uh, the death. I just might be maybe the, death the of fucking turning cinema. point. That's why the, yeah. More, more than the original Avengers, which is just big superhero movie where all your characters meet and fight a bad guy. This is kind of, you know, as much as I think the phases are kind of like fake and made up for marketing purposes, like this is, this is a turning point, I think for this whole thing. And it worked. It, 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 it tricked people into thinking it was a lot more than it was. Yeah, no, I let's, I, I think we're, let's, let's dig a little bit more into this movie because it's it i saw this when it came out i i even i'll i'll definitely post this multiple times on our social media there's a i took a a mirror selfie in college in my little captain america tank top that i got at new york comic-con on my way to the movie theater the uh regal cinema in fenway and i was i was so excited i was like chris evans here i come and I loved the movie when it came out. How did you spell um, that? What? Here I come. How did you spell that? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> um, Sorry, go on. 
And I think I I think maybe the last time I had watched this movie all the way through was like 2017 with my friend and it was just like we were just like on the couch eating burritos and probably getting high um or whatever um but like I I rem- this is like this 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 movie I remember it start like it starts nice I like the 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 opening very opening scene the on the on your left scene it's a fun like scene it, it introduces Anthony Mackie's character pretty well and I I like Anthony Mackie I think he brings like a nice uh energy to his role he's he's fun like I I would watch like a ton of behind the scenes like mostly like bloopers um from this movie like throughout college just as as, like a way to distract myself from being sad during finals um and and like from the looks of it like everyone had a lot of fun like anthony mackie seemed to have a lot of fun so it's like oh he's he's, well here the more important thing is anthony mackie is running through an actual location in washington dc um and then the second scene is boom CGI boat being uh, the, 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 taken over by Algerian pirates. Yeah, I, they, they all had French accents, so until they specified where they were from, I wanted to say, "Oh, it's the FLQ." <laughs> yeah, and, and and suddenly this this mission to rescue shield agents that are on an Algerian boat is actually cover for uh, Black Widow to download all of these secret shield files that actually reveal oops all nazis but you but they um, under, the under like you need under to go to a Fury's boat command. to do that like it's all networked but the only way you can get that information is on a boat also like how it's like about international waters maybe they, they get everything on a thumb drive and it's like because it's like shield it has to be like a really sci-fi looking thumb drive but like it's still just a USB drive, and it plugs into an obvious USB port, so there's no reason for it to look all science fictiony. <laughs> like it could just be a sand disc that you get for twenty bucks at the store. But know, that's not yeah. really that's that's just this is those little things movies do that kind of make me laugh that aren't really legitimate critiques. But I mean, there are like some goofy ass things, like the the line about where. Uh... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he's explaining and, and showing Steve Rogers the, the helicarriers that he's like, oh, these are supposed to be our, our... That's where our tax dollars are coming are going to, people. They're funding fucking helicarrier death drones and falcon wings for, for veterans. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the um, thing I will say, like... But he's but he says, like... Uh, but he says, like... the. The helicarriers like can read a terrorist DNA. They can read a terrorist <laughs> DNA with with satellites. Like and like like mm, like I know what they're saying no. is they probably got like a DNA database of terrorists, which is still like really that that's kind of seems like something the government would try to do and it wouldn't work. But they'd spend a billion dollars right. on oh, it. Yeah, but I, you could also interpret it as there being like a terrorist gene. That you can just find. Yeah, it's it's the, your line should not invite that kind he's, of he's, like. He's 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 got the Al Qaeda lobe, and we can see it from space. Um, I mean, here's the thing: like, he's got an IRA forehead. Helicarrier. I mean, here's the thing: like actual aircraft carriers are just because, like, in any country that has like a decent like modern military, can very easily blow up an aircraft carrier that isn't safe in American waters. 
Like you could just drop missiles on them. You can kill them with submarine. Like they've done war games and, and us, our Navy, our really rinky dink Navy with our secondhand British diesel submarines that we took out of mothballs and ended up spending way too much money, like fixing and making them like work with our electrical system. Like they've killed aircraft carriers in mock war games. Aircraft carriers are really vulnerable. All they're yeah. good for is bullying poor countries um, is, is so that you can just sail over to them and hit them with F-18 bombers and cruise missiles and, and like deck launched drones. Um, so there is kind of something like that, but it's also like as like a conspiracy, like Operation Phoenix assassination program thing. The fact that it concludes with like, well, we've got three big sky boats with a bunch of guns on them and they're going to hover over Washington, D.C. and just precisely shoot millions of people with their guns, with their like three inch deck guns um, and, and three inch and diameter. One of them deemed a sub subversive is the president of the United States, as well as uh, numerous people who work at the Pentagon and Tony Stark, uh, the, who uh, wait, what? So you know, I these are all good guys doing God's work. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's how, you know, they're, they're good. They're good people. Um, I mean, honestly, if you did just like, I mean, I'm like there'd be like secretaries and oh, janitors and stuff, no, but it would make Pentagon all the better. It would be like, like you know, if 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 you can justify bombing anywhere else where no, there's the always going to be civilian listening. casualties, then I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying if hypothetically somebody totally unrelated to us that had the ability and wherewithal to, like like crash like on nine eleven, like crashing the plane into the was like, I mean, you killed the people on the plane, which is fucked up, but like blowing up is fine um that's okay you're allowed you sh you're allowed to do that i think that's that's like if you blew up the you're you're you are you know you are the righteous man um which is a little thing um, we'll get to at the end uh, as, as an american i uh i i i've said nothing about the uh to any government officials listening uh Stu is canadian so you can't blame him or, or me. I don't control his narrative. And outside your jurisdiction, um, <laughs> which I'm sure matters a lot to the CIA. <laughs> I, okay. Um, but, like, the what on rewatch, especially, like, that scene where Nick Fury's explaining to Steve, like, the purpose. And, like, Steve's putting up the first, like, Steve's the one who plants, like, the doubt in Fury's mind to be like, hey, look into this further like which is kind of incredible to believe it like just it took that long for him to like start noticing huh this uh, place i've worked for my entire fucking life uh seems to have it, a, a bit of for a all nick fury is supposed to be like really cool and clever this like you kind of have to he think just he's, let this go he's an right idiot. by him like like nick fury is supposed to be the realist doesn't trust anybody accounts for every possibility but then this movie also just he needs to be a complete idiot that like can't see yeah, what's like, right in front of them. What and I think is just as funny is like Steve's response to this whole program. He says, uh, yeah, we compromised sometimes in a way that made us not sleep so well, but we did it so that people could be free. And I'm just thinking like, he's, he's talking baby, about firebombing Dresden, baby. right? <laughs> Steve, Steve, baby, I know you were in like world war four, like four, World War Two for like four years, but like surely you knew they were gonna drop the bomb on 
Japan or like at least you've probably learned that Actually, by now. No. It's gotta be oh, it's he definitely he the, learned that the now, nuclear but... bombs probably in um in that little book. N- nobody you they he, learned he that now, but nobody knew about the A bomb. Uh, like like you're most like nobody Not no even regular Captain people. America? You don't think they would have nah, No, no, no. They were well. like they, they really did keep the A bomb very secret okay. until they used it. That was uh I mean, they okay, keep it secret from like the Soviets, but like Steve from regular has people. Learned, Presumably, Steve yeah. has learned about the atomic bomb and the interim between being unfrozen and when this movie starts. So, still, his response is like, in, in reality, he should have been like, "Yeah, no, my generation fucked it up for everyone. We dropped a bomb on Japan." Like, but but no, he, because of course, and I I I do still really like Steve Rogers as a character, but I think this movie also does a lot of things with him that um, really just make him feel like different and like less connected to his like comic book roots. Like I, like there's no allusion to Steve being an artist, which I liked that they threw into the first Avenger. And I realized that when they cut to that, really funny shot that shows all the books on his bookshelf when he's, when he's breaking sleeping. in like he's yeah. gone back into his yeah he's breaking into his own apartment because uh nick fury's hiding out there and there's just right next to each other or on top of each other is a book by obama and then a, a book by poppy bush yeah yeah just it's, just like president's autobiographies and, and a I'm, couple I'm world war ii like, histories i'm thinking where are the art books where are the art books, Steve? You went to art school, Steve. You're an artist. Where are the art? And also the fact that, like, because in in the event in Avengers, at least, like, Steve's kind of still dressing like a little like an old man. Like he likes to wear these, you know, nice slacks and like tight fitting, <laughs> uh, nice like crisp white shirts. Become like this movie, civilian Steve Rogers just dresses like regular Chris Evans. So he just dresses like a guy from Boston in like Under Armour and like a baseball cap. Yeah, the Under Armour product placement in this. <laughs> yeah, there's there's I mean there there's the mall they go into which is not like deliberate product placement. It's more of like yeah, but they do go into an Apple store. So that's Yeah, so yeah, there's I mean he he hides that USB drive in a vending machine. Which is like, like, it's like, I get how Which it's like. Which means he got like the, he got that vending machine guy to, like, he probably slipped him a couple dollar bills. He's like, hey, d- dude, can you like put this in there for me? I feel like he must have just waited until his back was turned and used his like really fast reflexes to tuck it in there. But it's also like, that's. Oh, no, it, he would have gotten stuck. He would have gotten stuck in the vending machine. With, well, he could. You see, you saw those guns when he was wearing his wife beater. Well, he just like, re- re- ricocheted in there, you know. Because you, you can see the way he tosses it, it, just like ping ping, and it just goes right into the slot. But uh, it, it's just like, just as funny because okay. I was just watching Sorry. it. I was like, someone could just easily buy all the bubble gum in front of it and buy, accidentally buy a. It, it, someone will come along and see it, and it's like, oh, I'll pay a buck 75, whatever the hell that is. But um, I just, it was like that vending machine shot of it in there. It's just like, oh, there's a ton of free product placement. I guess that's why you'd hide it in yeah. there instead of up in a up underneath a drop ceiling tile or something. But, um, I mean, there is a lot of like, 
I know you you kind of raised your eyebrow at the uh, the the Smithsonian Captain America exhibit. That which I you know was, what I I I don't mind because theoretically like okay so it they, was an exhibit. If they fucking unearthed a guy from the ice from the nineteen forties. Okay, so so it wasn't it, it was an exhibit at the Smithsonian. Okay, I I missed that. I thought yeah. there was just a Captain America museum. Like that was like a permanent thing. No, it's like a it's no, it was like okay, an that, that, okay, that's a bit e- okay, yeah, that's a bit easier to to uh I, I but do you, do you think I, they I would thought that was cute. That's a cute scene. It is. It, it, um, I mean it, it, it really just serves for exposition in case you didn't see the first one too. Like well, that here's his love like, interest, here's his dead friend, here's here's his no, pals. Say, Here, which, here's Neil which, McDonough. Which love interest? Um, because they say that, and I oh here's I'm his love say, interest. Say the line. I wrote this <laughs> down because um, there they there's a little like section uh, dedicated to Bucky, who of, of course everyone's reasonably assumed that he died after falling off of a fucking train um, in Russia, uh, it, like 500 feet <laughs> off a mountain. Um, so it's. It's like a like honorary memorial to him, and there's a voiceover. Um, definitely some some actor's voice that probably someone famous doing that voiceover. Near, like yeah, the the museum, but just the, the museum. There's thing. the line that uh, Stephen Bucky. They were you know inseparable in both on both like schoolyard and battlefield. So really like hammering home just the importance of their relationship. Um, and I'm, I haven't read too much of the Captain America comics, but I have read um, and like informed myself enough about like the like history of Captain America and like its evolving storyline um, to know that like, a, like in the original comics, Bucky was just Captain America's like teenage, like younger sidekick. He's it's like his Robin. Movies. Yeah, it's like his Robin. It was the movie. It was First Avenger that took Bucky and was like, okay, we're we're not going to do this fucking teenage Robin sidekick shit. That's weird. Not going to work. And that's it's just a thing 40. you did in comic so, books in olden days because they were aimed at yeah. kids. <laughs> so, so and, and Joe Johnson and, you know, the screenwriters rightfully, I think, in, in our opinion, um, you know, we're like, we're just going to make Ch- Bucky like his age. Yeah, childhood his, friend. his and pal. That, and that the, childhood... the guy he wanted to be before he got his super soldier. Yeah. Uh, but j- here's the thing. The, you know what fan, what slash fip, slash fip, slash shippers love <laughs> is that little friends to enemies to lovers. And like this, like the, the whole like yeah, that is like the swamp water of ships, for, isn't it? It's like every flavor in one cup. It's the it's catnip. It's catnip. Like Bucky, like Bucky and Steve's relationship, like has such fertile soil for people to develop a queer reading out of. And in this movie, especially because, and this will lead into my next point. Um, by this point, Peggy. Carter is very, very, very fucking old. Uh, she would be in her nineties. She, she's she's got the uh, old age. You know it because face the app old ACG looks terrible. It looks it's awful. It's really yeah, they, it, it really does look like a face app. She filter. looks way too pretty. She looks she looks like a she looks 
gorgeous for like a woman who's supposed to be 90 and presumably have her like teeth rotting out and she's got like fucking dementia and yet her hair is like perfectly quaffed which i like that's maybe that's why i love suspiria 2018 so much is because they were like we're we're doing fucking old age makeup we're putting tilda swinton and not we're not just making tilda swinton into like a old ass dude we're making her into like a grotesque tumorous fat witch and Ed russo's are just like what the no, that's going to cost us money because our, like, special makeup effects artists are unionized, presumably. Yeah, that's so, this, this yeah, is something this is... I want to um, attribute to a, a YouTuber. He talks about movies and film editing, and, and he's got a couple of good videos lately on kind of like the economics of Marvel and streaming uh, named Caleb Gammon. Uh, and uh, he mentioned something in a video. I talked to him a bit about it on Twitter, and... I always was like, why Why do these movies cost so much and look so shitty? Why is everything CGI all the time? Because like, because we talked about before, like RoboCop um, costs like, in adjust, adjusted for inflation, RoboCop costs like $30 million and looks great and has a lot of costumes and on-set photography and everything. And it's CGI um, artists are... Well, one, half these budgets goes to the stars because we, we talk about that in the casting carries these movies and they know it. Once an actor hits yeah. and people are attached I, to them, they, this, they, this they will would be, throw buckets of money at them. And then the other half this, is... I would not like this movie at all if Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan weren't in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't like equally hot as shit on screen. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Marvel knew what they were doing, casting two really fucking hot guys as like the two leads like they really like that's that's all you really fucking need and that's that's another reason hot guys with a with a like childhood relationship i, I was gonna I, go. I was gonna say it's like this is this is how this isn't like a 70s movie because 70s movies were full of like schlubby guys who are like 40 years old but look 70 but i realized like no uh three days of the condor is robert redford in the 70s really hot Okay, Robert and, Redford, though, I, like, literally texted my dad, and I was like, Robert Redford was so hot. And Warren Beatty in, or <laughs> Warren Beatty in Parallax View also, like, he he, he looks like um, uh, the guy from The Doors. Like, he's he's looking very, uh, even as a guy who normally doesn't even notice when men are attractive, I was like, oh, damn, he was a good-looking guy. I, th- I think it's kind of funny that, like, um... Steve in the first movie and and like uh, in the first Avenger and Avengers looks more like uh, just like comparatively looks more akin to Robert Redford's character in Three Days of the Condor than like Captain America in this movie would look like the look like in the movie it's clearly trying to rip off yeah um yeah they gave his. That's another thing I always notice. I was like, oh, they cut they cut us uh, Chris Evans' hair a little shorter, so he doesn't have that like sort of vintage e like forties. Yeah, like, they made swoop. him look like just he's like totally modern guy now, and I think that sucks a little bit out of the fun out of it. Yeah, um, no, on rewatch definitely I, like that. The Russo's really knocked all of the pulp out of Captain America. Well, I think they like, were just and they that's were so the thing that's really good about it or at least that 
really made it like distinctive within the MCU. I, th- I think they were kind of like they kind of were just focused on like, what is he? Well, he's he's a guy who like like he's a guy. He's a soldier from World War Two dropped in modern time. And I was like, all they really knew what to do with. So like they, like the artist thing is kind of gone. They kind of simplified him a bit. Um, yeah, wasted. And I mean, yeah, like, and I mean, again, like, like we're when we talk about like what you could do to make these movies better, that's like in a parallel universe where they were real movies and were allowed to be real movies. Um, because, like, I mean, and like we talked about, we keep bringing up those helicarriers. That was apparently Kevin Feige's like idea was I want to get rid of Shield. Yeah, that was his demand. And and those I want to demands for this movie. End it with these three big helicarriers. So like instead of any kind of like clever plot it's like oh just three big death stars for them to blow up by going up into them and putting computer chips in their big hal 9000 computer chip bays like which i mean like i like i get it's kind of stupid to complain about that stuff not making sense but it's it's like it it feels so like just archaic conceptually yeah and it's like, but again, it's like it's it's a it's a a guy who's either really smooth brained or just is anticipating a smooth brained audience thinking, well, we need just something big and obvious, which is just a big ship with a bunch of guns on it, and 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 that's our assassination program. Uh, like, like what if it was actually drones? What if it was like a a whole fleet of drones, and you had like a command center you had to attack and, um. Like one one helicarrier, one new helicarrier that has a fleet of drones on it, and you fight on the helicarrier yeah. except to disable the drones before they kill everybody. Like that would be more thematic and interesting. And but like, I but again, like I think we talked before, like the 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 the, the Bucky Captain America tension is the most interesting part of the movie, and it's not really in the movie. Uh, yeah, until the end. It's like the it's ending suddenly it becomes the most important thing. Um, Too much of this movie is wasted on, like, badly green screen composited shots and, like, CGI. Like, and this is the kind of, like, I'm just thinking, I was thinking the whole time, like, God, I hate these helicarriers. How much cooler would these, or, like, nicer to look at would these would be if they were, like, fucking, like, Star Wars era, like, miniatures or yeah what if there were miniatures and sets that weren't just gray corridors what if there were sets (laughs) what if there were sets like i like for a moment i thought like i think the i'm not even sure if the like the 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 bunker they find where zolt like zola has uploaded his entire fucking consciousness to a computer because at first i was like oh it's a real set yay finally and then i realized Oh, like maybe like a twenty foot radius of the areas, like an actual set, and everything else is clearly like like a green yeah. screen. Like look up, look up production photos, and like for and this goes for like most of these Marvel movies. You're just seeing actors being shot in front of a green screen, you know, with you know some props here and there. Or, you know, for, but it's mostly in front of a green screen. Like the era of matte backdrops is fucking gone. Oh, fuck. I could, which is my train of thought completely derailed. Anyway, the reason everything's CGI and green screen now is, and again, I, I want to attribute this to, to, to Caleb Gammon for making, uh, and it, this feels like one of those things I like should have been like, it makes perfect sense. I mean, is, this is kind of, it's, this is, yeah. 
you can get, especially when you're doing these multi-franchise things, you need these actors to be in a bunch of different things, and they're also off doing like, real movies, um, or what's left of them. Um, it's just, it makes it really easy to get the actors in and out whenever you need them cheap, like as few days as possible and work around their schedules. And be, yeah, because CGI workers, uh, visual effects, digital effects workers are not, you have no kind of union representation or anything and they're all over the world. Um, you can just get them really cheap. If they, if they were, had like equivalent labor protections, wages, uh, benefits, to like guys who build sets and make props, CGI would be more expensive than doing those things. And it would probably be used in more interesting, thoughtful ways instead of just throwing everything out there. Right. Um Yeah. You you wanna know what's what's really funny because I I didn't get to read through all of the IMDB trivia page, but there there were a couple gems gems and by gems i mean just like straight up fucking lies uh uh one of them was that like this movie in particular really minimized the use of visual effects as much as possible like anthony mackie said that the russos were like you know so dedicated to shooting in live action that they were like wanting to do as little cgi as possible and that's why the movie looks good and i just like i i posted it on my twitter there's that one shot where Steve, Natasha, and and uh, and fucking Sam are they they fall out of like that SUV onto that car door and it oh my god it looks it it looks it's it looks terrible it looks terrible like it looks like the the green screening effect is I'm saying this a lot but it's like comedically bad. It's comedically bad. It like just, there's, yeah, or, or like ro- seeing Robert Redford stand in front of that fake ass window, and it's just, and it's just like, it's like, like you that could one just shot, shoot like in that an one office. shot people were showing. Yeah, it's like that. I get some nice like golden hour lighting from but the no. new Spider-Man movie of like the kid. He's like, I, I think it's the Flash character. He's like standing on a street corner, and it's like clear. He's clearly just standing in, in a green screen. And that's like, like, you can't even fucking shoot on a street corner anymore, guys. Come on. Um, it makes you wonder, like, if this is what it looks like when they're committed to filming in live action, what would this look like otherwise? Um, but yeah, like, every like that's the thing. They keep spending more and more money on these movies, but they keep getting cheaper in terms of how they're actually produced. And that's kind of everything. Everything is more expensive on the bill, but cheaper and shoddier in execution. Um, as it yeah. goes, everything's kind of gilded and gaudy and made of paper mache and, and popsicle sticks on the inside. Um, I mean, and and this is like this, this, like, I, I'm not entirely surprised that this movie has been as successful and as acclaimed as it's become, because there are some things it does, like, well. Um, and all of them have to do with just like the cast characters yeah. and like, like, uh, for example, uh, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson, they have great chemistry together. That's because they've worked on like numerous, like fucking five films or something before 
shooting this movie. Like they Have go, they? they knew each other. Well, I mean, I guess other yeah, like Avengers, teenagers. Avengers. Like, and, yeah, they they were in um the Nanny Diaries. I, yeah, they were in the Nanny Diaries together. Uh, perfect score. I want to say there was another one, but they they did at least like two movies together before oh, they got involved that, with the MCU. Okay, that would explain because I thought like yeah, they so they they, 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 go, they genuinely they seem like friends and it was kind of like that's yeah i think they wrote their own like dialogue maybe or at least ad-libbed yeah their interactions together which is which is great like i they you know clearly have a good working relationship i think that's Um, the thing if there's anything like clearly like acting together they're good together yeah kind of i was kind of thinking like there could be like this is one of the things you could lean on more in other movies was this like they work pretty good together, oh, what? Uh, and they're Black also Widow like potential love interest. Uh, don't they pair her up with Hawkeye? No, something? no, the no. Hulk? She gets paired up. No, Hawkeye is married. She gets paired up with the Hulk in the next movie. Oh right, no, they like hint at Remember? something between her and Hawkeye, kind of in the first one, and then it gets dropped. Yeah, and then yeah, he's got a family, and she they, they kind of like Hulk. retcon that with the Hulk romance, though. Yeah, yeah. Although um, I mean, oh, that's not I mean, such but a... like. I guess on paper, a bad idea. We'll get to it. Um, but like, yeah, um, Natasha's got her own shit to deal with, and I'm 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 thankful. Like, this movie is not dumb enough to try to pair those two off romantically. No, no, they, uh, the, they're just they're just the, fun. Is the the, the kind of the canonical up, up, up. romantic interest according to this movie would be Sharon Carter, the the blonde CIA lady who is actually, and they. They kind of reveal it as that they say this at the very end. She is Captain. She is Peggy Carter's niece or great niece. Um, and she in the comics, it's Sharon Carter, not Peggy Carter, who is Captain America's like main love interest. Like, and she's she's known as like Agent Thirteen. And so, like, when they were announcing the casting for this movie, like they were talking about uh, like the actress who plays Sharon. Her name's Emily Van Camp. I she was in a abc series called revenge which is probably why she got uh this role because it was like one of those sort of roles that like like a very action based kind of show which is kind of ironic because she does almost like she's barely i I forgot she was in in this movie movie. she's like like, she's just like not there you you just need to be there you can cut her entire when they were when they were like announcing the casting and like production of this movie like they were like okay emily van can has been cast as like the main female lead or like the love interest like that was how they were describing her character and then this movie comes out and she's like in it for like five minutes (laughs) she's so inconsequential in this movie um oh and it's it's gonna get even funnier uh in, in civil war Oh, well, uh, really I guess I'll, I'll have to actually her. watch that, and and yeah, uh, when we get to it. Oh, they do a, they do a, they do a no, no, they do a bad thing, and they they the Russos are gonna try to pretend that we forgot about it. Come uh, end game, no, we didn't. Um, oh, I guess we'll see what that is when we get to it. But um, I yeah, think, like, it's but with can I this oh, yes. this is my transition into we're gonna talk about shipping now, Stu. We're gonna talk right. about shipping. Um, but like the, so like, it's the reason this movie, like, just developed such a rabid, like, shipping fan base or became such a, like, 
boon to slash fiction. And I realized this upon rewatch just how much like dialogue in this movie is dedicated to alluding to like, Steve needs to get laid. Steve is not getting pussy. Steve is not living his best sexual life. He's not dating anyone. He's really like, backed up. Do you think like, oh, what about like Sharon, uh, Sally? So Lou, it, it's just a classic so and so in accounting thing. Um, yeah, Steve. Well, at least we learned that Steve's not really ready for girls with lip rings. So at least I don't. I don't have one. So is is he um, a virgin? I think we talked about this with the last movie. Like, I I don't know if he's ever fucked. That's you. You don't even know the sort of debate you're you're bringing up. That is a hotly debated topic in fandom, if not like the like. Pro- it's it's like one of those like things that people see like. I'm going to write a fan fiction where this is like the central where this 30 year old man loses his virginity. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, he's hot though. Um, he is. Yeah. I mean, well it does like, I mean, who's going to, I mean, he had, I don't know if Steve like as his asthmatic, like 90 pound self could have, could have fucked. I think he might've like broken his dick or something. Um, but just, just suffocating. Like, after but as just you nut. In, in the absence of like an actual like heterosexual uh you know plausible like actually no in the absence of a well-written like heterosexual like love interest or a plot line like the emotional integrity of steve's character and his thorough line goes through bucky his childhood friend and they basically there's there's like that that line at the end, the the line that brings Bucky's somewhat back to his senses is, you know, I'm with you to the end of the line. And when people read into that line and interpret it as a form of saying I love you, like they're not crazy. No, like, I mean they're not pulling this out of nowhere. It it is a form you know? of and saying I love you. It's it's just I, I here's like I find with a lot of shipping. Because I've like I've been like experienced like, exposed to it tangentially. I've got like other uh, friends who are like like um, like they're like really into like the Star Wars uh, Raylo thing and stuff. And oh, okay, yeah. I think, and I've noticed a lot of it. Whether it's 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 even it's probably even more so if it's queer, but but like even in general is there's a lot of reading taking something that that is like fundamentally unsatisfactory or demure or thin in the text and extrapolating a lot out of it and creating like it's 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 like you it's like a better movie exists in your head than is the one you're actually yeah. watching absolutely um which i like I like like you know is like kind of how the, yeah. and, and and MCU I think just kind of relies on like they're like the, the shipping like I like 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 they're really self aware of like the shipping stuff the fandom stuff in particular now they really know how to exploit and manipulate that but in general that's what these movies have kind of been doing since the beginning is like uh, giving you just enough uh, provocation almost like like when something primes you to to see an optical illusion or, or something. Uh, Jesus and like like when you see Jesus in a piece of toast, 
to to see a better movie than is actually there. And and like you see that now with all the thing like with this movie, like the hype is about oh, there's so much live action action and there's this conspiracy thriller thing. We can't start. It's it's all about conditioning you to see something that's if not not there, like barely there. And I don't know if they were doing that with the queer stuff. I, I suspect they weren't. I, again, I don't think but, I don't think they that Marvel Studios sat down a board room and said like we're gonna queer bait. Yeah, well, I they wouldn't I, even think about not, it that I way. I don't think no. But I think they do. Like I think TV writers like Sherlock and stuff, Supernatural were probably like the first to catch on to it and like do it self consciously. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I think by now they've caught on to it and they might not do it in the movie. Like it might not even be in the movie, but it'll be like someone in the marketing team will like feed stories to Buzzfeed. You'll think pieces, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't know if I talked about this before. Do you remember that, that Pixar film Luca? Yeah. You mentioned it on the uh, last episode. I did. How, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a the lot of people derived like a queer reading from that, but they were, there is at I, the academic in me will say like queer reading and like reading against the grain like you know subtextual reading like those are verifiable like actual stu- like things oh yeah no no like, you totally. know, not just like people like fancifully projecting onto stuff like they're like the, i do want to emphasize that like this this the stucky the stucky dynamic the steve bucky dynamic it it's like ripe fertile soil I don't know why I said that very weird because it's if like, it ain't I, stucky, it's it ain't just, jam. It's, it it has a lot of like attributes to it that are just like perfectly designed for this kind of like fandom to develop in this. Sort oh, totally. Of, like, and I, you know, I see. I see why people see that. We're reading to be driven from it. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like, with you know, the, the what I'm. What I'm saying is, is as as higher echelons of the culture industry become self-conscious of this stuff yeah, and know how to exploit it. What they do is even if it's not self-consciously put into the work itself, I think people on the marketing end feed, they, they see how it could be there and anticipating it, they feed stories to like think piece and clickbait sites to hype people up to look for it. So like I said, like, have you ever heard of backmasking? Yeah. Um, where for, for the audience, but expl- uh, explain it to our audience who doesn't, when, when, uh, when there's like a recorded message that you hear when you play a song backwards. And there's a lot of, there's some ones that are real. And, and when they're real, when they're really there, like you hear them clearly and they sound like gibberish forwards. But then there's ones like, oh, the Satan took us to the tool shed and stared at heaven or whatever, where it sounds like gibberish. It's you, you can't hear it until you read what's supposed to be there by someone who thinks they did hear it. And then once you've primed your brain to recognize the pattern, suddenly you can hear it. Um, and that's what I think... I think part of it is fandom communities create this naturally. Like you see other people say, oh, I see this. Oh, I see this. And and setting aside the question of what's there or not there or whatever. Um, and then you're more likely to see it because you've got all these other people reinforcing it and kind of prompting it to you. And now I think 
again, even setting aside the content of the movie and whether or not the writer or director was thinking about it, um, the marketing people can feed you the prompt to see it. Um, and, and I think they feed different prompts to different demographics. Uh, and it's all sorts of things, like queer readings or, or feminist readings or, or, or political statements. And they, they feed the prompts to multiple demographics because they want them to fight about it so that they have more mind share of everybody involved. Like we're, we're seeing it again with, um, uh, Oh, the, the racism in the star Wars fandom thing and, and how, how there's a, a black person in the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show and somebody somewhere is mad about it. And that's why it's a good show that you need to watch and support to own the racist. Yeah, like it's, so it's all supporting it. Supporting it is morally good of you. That's that's yeah. you fight racism. And, and it's the thing there. The, show the racist. If there are people that are really racist and mad about the show, which I'm sure there are, they find them and, and they provoke them to, to get publicly mad about it so they can provoke people to get mad at those guys. But it's all. You know, that's the real conspiracy. That's the real Hydra sowing discord around the world so they can get more power. That's how Disney um, and all these a lot of these big corporations now manipulate fandom and anti-fandom and factions of fandom and and discourse to get people really emotionally invested in these properties and 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 reading things in them that are not there or barely there or there really superficially like, oh, this is a poignant 70s style conspiracy thriller about the surveillance state. Um, like they want you going in having already anticipated it. So just the little tiny nuggets of it they give you count for more than they do because um, they're feeding into a pattern that's already been kind of put in your brain. Um. And I, I guess that ties, I don't know, I just, that kind of ties everything together from the, the queer shipping to the conspiracy stuff. Um, which again, isn't to say like, like I can see why you look at this movie and see a gay subtext between those characters. Um, it, it makes sense to me, but just it, in terms of dynamics and how they're exploited. Um, yeah. Um, so there is... Um... Uh, I remember, like, during this particular era of my life, I I constantly read uh, The Mary Sue. Oh, <laughs> it's the, the, such the... an awesome website full of great opinions. I know, I know. Um, but so I did go through sort of the archives, try to find, like, oh, what were some of the articles around, like, this time? Um, not from, I this this is an article from 2019. It's about just, it's it's actually, like, not a bad overview of like the steve rogers bucky barnes relationship and like you know where it comes from but i do i do want to read like a couple passes just just to show like sort of like how at the same time like they're not pulling these readings out of nothing like this is stuff you can present and be like you know someone will like, there's a screenshot of a gift set that made the round on Tumblr uh, from First Avenger where Bucky says to to Steve, like, ah, oh, you're keeping the outfit, right? And Steve's like, you know what? I think I am. And someone just added the caption, like, there's no heterosexual explanation for this. Like, sure, yeah, you just, the star spangly suit is very fruity. And he's keeping it. Um, Yeah, pretty fucking gay of him to say. But, like, just 
at the same time how um i don't want to say reverent of these movies they are but like almost like more forgiving and more um like they they want to believe the movie in their head is really there and everybody else sees it um okay i think something like that yeah although although this this movie or this this movie this this article makes some like very well statements like it does point out that like a lot of people who got really into to like this particular ship um used it as a way to like really learn about like the queer scene in like the 1920s and 1930s new york um in like the 1940s as well like they're again i presented an academic conference along someone who presented a paper about this very fucking thing like there's a lot of fan work that's just dedicated to using this this relationship in particular seemingly as like an avatar of exploring queer history and there's you know what there's there's something really beautiful about that I find like that's beautiful to me. Yeah, it's like, like there oh, there were gotta, gay guys in the forties. That kind of history. There were gay guys. There were gay bisexual guys in the forties. Like, yes, I I definitely understand, and I love the fucking idea personally of a bisexual Steve Rogers or a fucking gay Steve Rogers. Personally, if if you were hold a gun to my head, I will still say I had canon bisexual Steve Rogers, but like I'm. I again I've put my they live glasses on and I I am an adult now and I watch actual gay movies where like guys fuck each other in the ass and like come in the camera uh, and that la- that last movie is a uh, pink narcissus it's a it's a real movie not a porno um and yes a guy does jizz into the camera um but any anyways so so this article is written by uh kyla hale stern this was like way back in april 2019 uh it's just like a whole whole overview of like the history of the stocky relationship and um she points out like as regards to the winter soldier um the modern day set winter soldier was the one that launched this pairing into the stratosphere uh, uh winter soldier begins with steve's attempts to build a new life in a new century while still hung up on the ghosts of his past when one of those ghosts is made flesh and it's revealed that Bucky is alive and now an apparent enemy, it's as though Steve's greatest wish, greatest nightmare have come to pass in the same moment. But his faith in Bucky is unwavering, even when there's no proof that his friend still exists within Winter Soldier's callous shell. This movie is full of dialogue, the sort of dialogue that sings to a shipper's ear. Quote, even when I had nothing, I had Bucky. Steve tells his new friends, quote, Best friends since childhood, Bucky Barnes and Stephen Rogers were inseparable on both schoolyard and battlefield. End quote. The voiceover from Captain America's Smithsonian exhibit. Um, uh, quote, but I knew him. The Winter Soldier winces in pained confusion as he tries to understand how it is that he recognized Steve. And you know what? On that last, that last, that part, that scene in particular, they're basically like reconditioning Bucky after his last mission he's like that guy he he knew my name who was he like that's that's an emotionally compelling scene like in the in the way that this this article lays out like yes all of that happens that is an accurate reading of 
these scenes in that movie and that line delivery. So it's, it, but I think it's, it's really more the product of there's just such a like vacancy and a like shallowness to kind of everything around it that this relationship in particular yeah it's takes on acquired like further meaning you can it's like when you, you know, get a really bad salad and, and you're like just emotionally invest into it yeah it's, it's like a like you're like a really bad salad you're just like eating the lettuce around the the stuff you don't like um also no i was thinking like this is like the steve and bucky stuff is like strawberries in an otherwise like pretty bland salad yeah yeah like it's it's but the it's, good stuff it's the good you're stuff you're clinging the to stuff the little glimmers of what could or should be like it would be like a way more yeah. interesting could movie it, if could it be there what could was more explicit about if it was really actually focused on that relationship uh uh as a movie a lot more so but it's if this but you touched on something but, but earlier if kevin feige was yeah go ahead Oh, sorry. I was just no. Just gonna say no. if uh, Kevin Feige was really dedicated to bisexual Steve Rogers, he would have given us a uh, three-way between Steve, Bucky, and Peggy. But not gonna happen. Anyways, go on. Too, like, that's the thing. We can't have much sex in we this. We can't movie. have fun. <laughs> we can't have fun stuff like that. Nobody can fuck. Um, but they um, if and that's the other thing too, because these movies need to be everyone for everybody. If they're gonna be. They have to be sexy in the most muted way possible. If they're going to be gay, it's gay in the most muted. Like, it has to be gay in a way where it's like gay people can see it if they want to, but people who don't want to see it can also not see it. Same with, like, or, Star or, Wars or and everything else. they can edit it out for China. That, that too, yeah. So it, it needs like, to be, like, it's just like, again, it's just like, like, everything oh, my, needs my to be... My moms want me home by seven. Everything needs to be triangulatable. So it can, like, like, like it needs to be, like, uh, again, like Jesus and Toast. You, you see what you want to see looking at it. So it can't commit in any explicit sense to anything. Um, but I, th- you talked about earlier, like people like being so desperate to see their themselves or their interests or proclivities represented in these movies at, at the seeming expense or ignorance of the fact that there's whole swaths of stuff that do, but it's just, it's not superhero <laughs> it's like- movies, big budget superhero movies. So they don't want to watch it, I guess. <laughs> So they're sort of like yeah, starved, like if you guys... but they're also kind of starving themselves by not stepping outside the absolute middle of the the mainstream. Like, if if you think, if you're someone who thinks this is like a quintessential gay movie, or like a movie with that's like, or just any real like. Then you you haven't been watching real movies. Like, go watch a Todd Haynes movie. Go watch Poison by Todd Haynes. Go watch fucking uh Living The Living End by Greg Araki. Uh, go yeah, watch our nowhere. Rainier Run- Winner Fastbender film. Uh, like, go watch a fucking John Waters movie where yeah. fucking giant <laughs> gay drag queen eats dog shit. That's actual gay shit. Th- this is not this is like like it's it's fun like sand to play in like it's a play box it's a sandbox that you play in like it's fun to yeah. but like you're not actually playing with anything that's meaningfully 
subversive or challenging of the status quo. Or even of yourself as a member of the the audience, right? Like, it's like, I want, uh, I I want my ice cream to be nutritious. It's kind of what it feels like in a way, you know, like people want to eat nothing but ice cream, but they want it to have all this, all the stuff they think matters also in it. And, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like if they actually commit to making a gay superhero fine, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big, like, I'm no, skeptical of the representation matters yeah. idea it, at that level, but like I'm fine. A great superhero. Great. Go for it. Like if you can actually make it a, cool. a good movie, which they can't by cool. But I, I would like to, yeah, but it, it would, it's, it's like, I think the challenge there is like, you know, you don't want to be like his defining trait is that he's gay because then it's going to be like, ah, oh, this sucks. It's yeah, but it's like, like one note. Yeah, it's, or like it's going to be. Ambiguously gay duo. Tonight's episode, a hard one to swallow. But then you don't want it to be like, you know, all like, you know, this gay superhero. He goes, you know, he just like, he just like, tell he's gay because he shops at Whole Foods. Yeah. But I mean, something where it's just like so in the background that it doesn't matter. But that's, and that it doesn't really like have any sort of, but like it to like people for whom it means something to be like out. And represented, like that's not going to do anything for them either. So they're not going to like the audience for that, like that demographic might not that, tune in. That's the problem. Is um, you'll that's you'll the never pro- that's the really see yourself represented in these types of movies because these types of movies have to be everything to everybody. So they're all they're ever going to be is yeah. little hints and glimmers, like a little gesture at this demographic, a, a little gesture at that demographic but not a lot for anybody they again they can't yeah because they have to be they're, they're, they're amorphous blob films that can't be too much of anything um and that makes it impossible yeah, if you're, to if you're a, get um, what you want if out you're of a them thick in uh, regard. yeah if you're a, a cock hungry twink who who just loves getting uh loves having like anonymous hookups in the bathroom of like your your local gay club you're not going to see yourself represented at all in a marvel no one will see themselves represented if you're a big old slut you're not going to see yourself represented in a marvel movie except maybe a couple shots of like black widow looking like sexy and like cool there is there is one shot in this movie though it's it's during like the the that opening action scene on the fucking uh uh yeah, on the fucking yeah the the, the first mission from Call of Duty. Um, 4. That, there's that one. Sh- there's a one shot like Natasha turns around. And she's she's had some like pretty great fight choreography. And again, it's just like the camera lingers on Scarlett Johansson's ass. <laughs> it's just it's like just like center frame, center frame. It's like it's yes, she has a nice ass, and like yes, Natasha looks great in that like cat suit. But like it just. It, it feels so, like, disjointed from everything else because it's just, like, clearly an ass shot. 
Oh yeah, it's just kind of grafted in there. It cuts to just CGI uh, Chris Evans running running on a CGI ship. But that's because it's like it's it's not organic horniness. It's here's our allotted like three percent of sexual gratification that we can put in these movies. You know what? Um, You want it? The the what what was organic horniness when Steve was wearing that wife beater? That's that was the point. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I had to. I paused the. I forgot that happened, and I paused the movie. And I was like, "Thank you." And you thank, paused the movie for about fifteen minutes. I paused the movie, and you locked the door for about fifteen minutes. Um. Yeah. No. He. Oh my God. He. They're gonna do something. There's a similar scene in um, because I think yeah, we're gonna have to watch fucking Age of Ultron. No. No. Yeah, what does no, come I think next? Guardians of the Galaxy is next. Okay, well, um, but it, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna very soon get to uh, Age of Ultron, and really the only scene I like in that movie, or I remember that that's lasted or stuck with me, is just like is just Chris Evans in this this tight blue like Under Armour shirt. He just rips a log in half, and it's it's like that like and you're, that and shit. you're just like, like I wish on. I was like, that log. I, I want to be that log. Um, also, can we, before we sort of start talking about, like, why you should watch other better films that we've already mentioned numerous times um, in this episode, like, can we just talk about how corny the ending is? Like, that, the end, the big, not, and, and I'm not talking about, like, the, the fight between like no the, the ending Bucky. ending although like, it's it's literally just a repeat of like the end of first avenger again they're just on this flying contraption that's crashing like it's a fight on a crashing like yeah sky which vehicle. is c- conceptually like it could be a cool but it's got too much green screen and it lacks it's just yeah it's that way sense of like screen, being actually like, out there but i want to but i i want to i want to yeah, do the ending i've got a little I think I've got a little bit of a rant in me for this one, if, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah, because I found the climax so corny that, like, this is, like, it's, like, you know, all the, it's like, oh, you know, there are good people who are not going to listen and, yeah, like, no, no, bow let me, down. Let me jump in. I've got to go. Go, go, okay. go, go. Captain America goes back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ and he gets onto the PA and it's like, so all of you who aren't bad guys, uh, there's a lot of bad guys. Um, uh you know, time to try and fight back. He just goes on the PA system and, and explains the plot to all of the NPCs that work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and then, you know, they take down the helicarriers, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, it's and this is the ending of uh, an episode of The Simpsons. Lisa goes to Washington. If you remember it, she, she writes the essay. When America was born on that hot July day in 1776, the trees in Springfield Forest were tiny saplings trembling towards the sun. And as they were nourished by Mother Earth, so too did our fledgling nation find strength in the simple ideals of equality and justice. Who would have thought such mighty oaks or such a powerful nation could grow out of something so fragile, so pure? Thank you. And then she sees a senator doing corruption. I told you no one ever came here. <laughs> so, Bob, where do we stand on Springfield Forest? Do I get my logging permit? Well, let me put it this way, Jerry. Timber! 
And then writes a really angry essay that upsets everyone. I would like to read a different essay, if I may. The city of Washington was built on a stagnant swamp some 200 years ago, and very little has changed. It stank then, and it stinks now. Only today, it is the fetid stench of corruption that hangs in the air. <laughs> and then in this kind of like ironic joke, happy ending, some guy gets on the phone. It's like... Senator, there's a problem at the essay contest. Please, son, I'm very busy. A little girl is losing faith in democracy. Good lord. And then, oh, the corrupt senator. The Honorable Bob Arnold. Gets arrested. The guy bribing him gets arrested. Everything comes again. It's like, oh, I guess democracy works. Don't. And yeah. that's how this movie well, ends, who... unironically, is Gary Shandling, yeah. the secret Hydra, who turns out was worked for high, has been a Hydra guy the whole time, the, the sleazy senator. Um, gets arrested. Everybody gets arrested. Everyone knows the truth. The the, the everyone you know the, all the data gets leaked to the media. And when that happens, everybody cares. And reforms happen, and things change. It's not like we haven't seen yeah. horrible stuff get leaked and put out over and over and over again, only for nobody to care and for a lot of the press to kind of collude with just sort of sitting on it. And I like 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 how many fucking wiki how much of that snowden stuff never actually came out that like glenn greenwald or 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 or, or whoever just sat on it forever um and how much of an impact did it make when it did come out everyone just kind of shrugged their shoulders and went yep things are fucked up can't do anything about it guess that's the way it is um like i think no it's and and natasha uploads like all of hydra's files onto like fucking 4chan or Reddit. yeah and probably she's like oh it's going viral it's like like, we, like this movie. They started writing this movie a year after the the Chelsea Manning leaks and the collateral murder video, um, and then the Edward Snowden stuff happened while it was in production, which was probably like nice timing um, for it to be in the consciousness oh, yeah. oh, when the movie were came certainly out. Certainly happy for that. But it's like we saw what happened. The people that leaked this stuff got horribly punished, and nothing changed. No one went to jail. Nothing was reformed. Reality winner is still in jail, by the way. Yeah, no, she's not winning reality. Uh, um, that's the first time that joke's been made. It's just, I can't not. It's like right there. You, yeah, I know, I know, but um, she's she's a political prisoner, man. <laughs> Cut her some slack. I just, I I know. I don't mean to be cruel. It's just a a pun. <laughs> yeah, it's her I parents' fault. It's her parents' funny. fault for she's, she's naming her yeah. reality winner. It's like naming that's like naming your kid Crystal Glass, which I did know a girl named Crystal Glass. So I, I I think I, my stepsister knew a girl whose whose first name was Crystal, and then like her her middle name was Duh, and her last name was Lear. So her full name was Crystal Shan. Wait, or it was I was it like it Chantel or something? It was like Crystal Chandelier. God, that's no. Her middle name was Shanda. <laughs> So her full name is Crystal Chandelier. I'm sorry, don't give your kids a pun name. That's sadistic. Um, that's just yeah, that's horrible. just like asking them to be shoved into a locker and bullied. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but it's but yeah, it's it, the ending is so just super mega. I mean, it's like oh, Shield's been destroyed. Nick Fury goes into hiding, and then oh my god, right. Um, and then. On they're like standing around, like Nick Fury's going to hiding, his fake his death. They're all oh. standing around his 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 gravestone, 
And what does it say on the gravestone? But a reference to Pulp Fiction with the the path of the righteous man in quotes, ellipses, Ezekiel <laughs> 25, 27. The, the Bible verse that Quentin Tarantino just made up. It's not even a real Bible <laughs> oh, verse. Oh, wait, I didn't know it was made up. It's just made up. If you can if you listen to it, you can kind of tell. It doesn't really sound like a real Bible verse. <laughs> he just made it up. Oh, my God. And it's just like, hey, Samuel oh, L. Jackson like, was in so Pulp cool. Fiction. And it's like, like. Oh, that's so corny. It's so corny. And I mean, like, like, that kind of stuff can be fun if it's more subtle or to something maybe a little more obscure. But it's so on the nose. And it's like the most obvious, like, one of the most famous things Samuel L. Jackson ever did. And it's like it's like as that's like as obvious as casting Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, this guy's had a long career. He's done ten thousand movies. It's so on the yeah. nose. It's like he might as well have said like to Captain America, "I think I'll walk the Earth for a while." Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, just, he come should, on. He, should, he, he might as well have been like, "I'm tired of these motherfucking hydras on this motherfucking helicarrier." <laughs> And, like, and it's like like Quentin Tarantino is like the opposite of any Marvel movie. It's like Quentin Tarantino, whatever, whether, whatever you think about him, a Quentin Tarantino movie is just Quentin Tarantino making whatever movie he wants to make full of just sex and violence and feet. Um, and whatever he wants to do, it's 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 the exact opposite dirty feet of a Marvel movie. And they would never they would never let him. You yeah. think they've ever tried to get him to make a Marvel movie just for the clout? And he just like, you know, obviously he said no, because there's no way in hell. He like was, recently? Like in the MC, like ever, like ever. MCU Do you think, era? You ever think they're like, oh, what if we got a Tarantino I mean, probably, to lend us his prestige? early on in the 90s, I think we mentioned he was like a No, no, I mean, I mean like the, the MCU stuff. as an institution, like, because you know. Like, yeah, that's they, what I mean. Okay. They okay. like to get I, directors to lend I mean, them their like, prestige, but like, obviously he would never in a million years. I mean, they got James Gunn back. Yeah. So I guess that's sort of the closest they're willing to go. Um, one one thing, there is a funny part in that, like, because they, they, they cut to the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent room where all the, where, like, uh, Sharon Carter and all the other S.H.I.E.L.D. underlings are, like, being directed to, you know, program the drones to hunt Captain America uh, to, to get him. And there's this one... Wait no, it's the other. See, I'm I'm already like starting to forget like yeah, order this var- various this there's really various good. scenes of um, people like in the, computer at, rooms at the end, like just before, like just before the uh, like helicarriers are about to start shooting presumably millions of people along the yeah, east coast. Yeah, I just I can't get over how stupid this is. They've got a they've got a bunch of like they've got a bunch of like. Small for a naval gun, but big for regular gun guns on them. And they just hover over Washington, D.C. And they're just going to shoot every high value target on the entire eastern seaboard from Washington, D.C. Not like yeah, missiles, not, even, not like, even like guided missiles. They're just going to shoot them with guns from hundreds just, and thousands of miles away. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> this is it's it's at the. Oh, Miguel, please, please get this. Edit this clip in it's the very like it, it's just as uh just as steve takes the uh uh helicare like the 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 map offline and the guy like working the yeah, uh you see like, like this map of all of, it's acquiring like, all the targets extremely long island voice he's like 
We're the targets. And I, I don't know. That was just like that's that's another another thing I think like Marvel movies and and like a lot of movies start doing of this era. Like this was a big problem I had with the Candyman remake or reboot. Is just like it'll have it'll try to drop a joke or be funny at like a time when it's supposed to be tense. Yeah, and it's not like, like tension breaking humor. Yeah, because nothing, because you can't be, you can't be too tense. You can never be too tense. You can never you be, be too, too sad. You can never be too but, no, mysterious. Let the, let, like, like it's got to be the fucking scene where two. It's got to be the emotional friends, equivalent of has been tortured and brainwashed for like seventy fucking years and has lost his arm. Let let that scene be fucking dramatic. Just yeah. let it be dramatic, because that's that's the good part of your movie. And that, that's the thing with these movies, because they're not people say, well, Marvel's the fun, colorful movie. Well, kind of, but no, because they kind can of, never but... be too much of anything. So, like, they're not like the the Zack Snyder or Nolan DC stuff, but they're not like campy or outrageous or like like there's always that like they always kind of walk this line where it's like well we're we're fine and crazy stuff happens but it's also kind of realistic and we're we're kind of self-aware and we're a little bit above it all and we don't take it too seriously cuz no one could ever take this yeah, too but, seriously but like that Birds of Prey is the only movie that like really has done that I haven't seen I'm actually in, also kind of interested in seeing the uh the that that new the James Gunn suicide squad the James Gunn one I I I am certain it's gonna be a lot fucking better than the fucking first one yeah um but like that like in that aspect like dc or at least more a couple more recent dc movies have way surpassed like marvel movies at that Cause, like because i think with the, with thing. wb and dc you have a more uh old-fashioned uh balance between the the corp the, the commercial interest and the people making it and it's not Space Jam 2 and these movies aren't well okay Space Jam 2 but i mean that's like one movie right like well Space Jam 1 is kind of the same way but it's not all a machine right it's not all a machine where all these movies have to be homogenized and fit together into one thing and they 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 kind of wanted you can tell they kind of wanted to but it, they couldn't make it work and i think they realized like well Whatever it is we do, being not Marvel is the one thing that works for us. So that's how you get like, and I, I don't want to overhype these movies, but like that's how you get something like the Batman, where oh, it's no, like because we're gonna have to watch another, we're gonna have to a, watch Suicide yeah. Squad and the well, Suicide Squad is like Batman versus Suicide. Yeah, Squad. like I mean, a lot of these suicide. movies aren't good, <laughs> but like you can get Birds of Prey is good. You, you'll get you, like I, I actually can't wait to rewatch Birds of Prey. I know the, it's the quality level is way more uneven, but they can go higher. Because they're less constrained by the mega franchise thing, um, the, by the, the by the machine, or not quite as assembly line. So you can, yeah, you can get. I haven't seen Birds of Prey, but you can get something like like the Batman, like like again, not an amazing movie, but a good movie, a genuinely good movie that feels like a real movie that has sets and costumes, and <laughs> like the Dark Knight, which <laughs> is actually shot in real places on a real yeah. in a real city. With real uh, sets and real like, just like the st- stuff actual, that will not CG boats and st- stuff that was just real boats. This stuff that just used to be like every movie had. 
once upon a time not just, so long and, ago. And now it's all just like, it's all just made in post. Yeah. It's all just made in post, if not like rendered before they even cast actors. Yeah, I, so I want to find I mean, out that's the real exactly when they start doing that. Exactly when the third floor visual effects company just directs half the movie before they've got a director or a writer. I mean, I, th- I think this is like... I mean, it's it's been like this for a while, really, in these movies. But like, yeah, well, I mean, is, they bragged they, they bragged about it openly. This is where it really openly. sinks in. Like, and like, oh, this is this is the house style. Yeah, I mean, they've had this is the they've had a, a, a house for. style and a formula up to this point, but it wasn't. But like, this is the one that really where, the, where they settled, really like, like start aggressively really enforcing them, yeah. it. <laughs> um, but uh, let's let's talk about better. Let's talk about a couple better movies. Yeah, was there was there anything end. else you wanted to touch on before we do? No. Okay. Other, yeah. Other than um. No. Yeah, I think. Not really. Yeah, no. you're. Well, I mean, yeah, no. Yeah. So, I I I assume we're both just gonna say like Parallax View. Parallax View and uh, uh Three Days of the Condor. Which I wanted to watch before I watched this, but I didn't quite get around to because I'm um, a horrible procrastinator. Three Days of the Con- I think I like Three Days of the Condor more, but that's solely because Robert Redford was very hot. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry if if the lead lead like protagonists or lead like actors being hot is like a quintessential aspect of enjoying movies and like why I enjoy certain movies. Like beautiful people in cinema, like that's you wanna you don't wanna watch like well I'm I'm that's not entirely true. Like a lot of people make movies where it's just. But like, if we're gonna, if you're gonna watch like a Hollywood movie, it's like a, it's an Italian peasant, like a Pasolini, yeah, film, or like, a, or you're fucking watching Gummo. Like, I've, you know what? I watch Trash Humpers. I love Trash Humpers. It's fun, but like, but a, a Hollywood you know what, big budget you, movie, like, yeah, have it, have yeah, give you me beauty. See attractive people. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to see like some lady who clearly did like who who who's clearly like just did like a bunch of pornos yeah before being cast in this or she's like a look just as like a russian mail order bride like you don't want people who look like they'd be be in a neil breen movie this just like taken off the street <laughs> or or like some of they just grabbed off the street for like a tim and eric skit yeah like you don't know you no don't... give me beauty so... and that's, that's the thing with these movies i mean like they have beautiful people in the cast but even just like the way they're Chris presented Evans. But like in general, I feel like these movies lack beauty. They just are absent of ugliness, yeah. and that's kind of like again, like the kind of defining characteristic. A lot of stuff now is nothing especially good or interesting. Just an absence of things considered or, bad or discomforting, or even uh, not even ugliness, like gaudiness, like like gaudiness and like like really indulging in its own artifice and like specifically the artifice of filmmaking itself. Yeah, like there's... Like there's such a... Like that's the charm to like rear view projection photography and more like old school kind of film techniques. I think I mentioned it to you. I don't know if I talked about it on stream. I think I mentioned to you a, a couple months ago I got high with my cousin. We watched the 1980 Flash Gordon. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you mentioned that. And I think like that movie's pretty i mean not like amazing but like it's it's a fun it's a really fun watch because it is it is gaudy and and like has 
awesome production design and it does relish in its artificiality um like gloriously so and that's just yeah. also it's weirdly horny like it's really oddly horny yeah. movie um yeah and that's like that's what these movies could be like i'm not saying it's like oh the movie needs to be super smart and have awesome cutting political insight blah blah i'm just saying everyone like, needs to like fuck if it's, in if it's gonna be I mean, goofy entertainment it could be goofy entertainment with fucking style and and that's the thing that's absent yeah. there's no style it's just it exists in that middle zone of again not being particularly off-putting to anyone which means it can't be particularly interesting in any way and i just ev- yeah. everything in our culture seems to be heading towards that and it's so frustrating um um and i guess i have two two other movies i want to recommend okay awesome yeah two two other movies i want to recommend um one I actually reviewed for the Arts Views. Um, didn't didn't love it because kind of like lessened in the month since I've watched it, but uh, stands out because Sebastian Stan is in it and he's pretty scary in it. Uh, it's a movie called Fresh. Um, I'm not going to give away the twist to it. Oh, I, I saw them talk about this on RLM. Yeah. 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 No, it, he, he's, he's great in the movie. He's, um, Sebastian Stan, like he does a good job in this movie, um, in the winter soldier. Like he's like, he kind of had to play like multiple, he kind of has to play like multiple characters by default, like, you know, Bucky Barnes and then, you know, the winter soldier and then like the in between. And that's, that's a task for like an actor. And it's, you know, he, he's, stuffed up to the the goal and he seems to do very like a very similar like chameleon-esque kind of thing with the role he plays in fresh so you're you're a fan of sebastian stan i'm 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 a little bit of a stan you're stan stan um (laughs) um and the other movie i'm gonna recommend um probably the reason i had such an adverse reaction to this rewatch of uh, a movie I previously had rated pretty high on Letterboxd was because I saw uh, Crimes of the Future the other night. Oh yeah, how was that? I didn't see um, your review. Working on the review for that, so my full, I'm let's just say I'm still digesting. Oh, okay, um, I'm still digesting my thoughts, but um, ooh, Cronenberg, he's fucking back, baby. He's fucking back, baby. My roommate did not like it, um, to the extent that we we got like burgers after it, it was. <laughs> It was it, it was giving me vibes of like after like I saw um a fucking Jurassic World and my dad took me and bought me a drink at like a restaurant and I was still like so furious about how bad the movie was that I was like I, I don't want to drink. Um but I I I loved it. Um not my favorite Cronenberg, but like holy shit, have I missed seeing like body horror fleshy technology weird shit like holes being penetrated people <laughs> eating microplastics it's bo- body is reality baby long like, live the new flesh sex is the s- i guess the surgery old is the new sex <laughs> um sex is the new surgery or surgery is the new sex it's the the new flesh is coming and it is filled with microplastics. We should, we should, um, we should yeah, do a no, uh, video drone. Go and yeah, like, there's, I just rewatched video drone. There's a couple things like, I'd, oh. I'd want to pair with that, but I love video drone. Uh, 
I love, I, I see uh, Debbie Harry as Nikki Brand in that movie, and I point the, to the TV, and I'm like, that me. God, I wish I was her. Just, um, just one, of, one of the hottest women that ever lived. She's, oh my God, she puts the cigarette on her tit, and I'm like... <laughs> yeah oh man i heard that shudder of breath from you um no just woo. yeah no if please go please uh because i know we're, we're we're releasing episodes closer now to or when we record them so this is presumably going to be out um middle of this coming week but yeah go see crimes of the future in the theater and give it like at least four if not 4.5 stars on letterbox we're uh I already saw that score jump from a uh, 3.2 up to a 3.4. And I'm like, hell yeah, I, uh, baby. The sickos, we're, we're, we're coming out in droves. But one I, ticket for Crimes of the Future, please. I can't, like, our theater, like, unless it's like once in a while, they'll do like a regional or local documentary and like do a matinee of it. But it's like, uh, our theater really only ever shows like the biggest releases because I live in a small town. Oh, that's so, so like, being, like deprived. And like the town I'm moving to isn't that much bigger so it's like you know like the like all these movies i'll never get I, I can't i'd have to even when i move i'll have to like take an hour trip and then take a two hour you ferry touring. and yeah but if i wanted to see them in the theater it's like it'd be an expedition <laughs> like they're not coming to these little local theaters they're not taking they're not taking the risk on crimes of the future or the northmen or something unfortunately but um yeah i yeah i really want to see that i mean i still i've never seen it's, existence it's i'm really i'm not a it's very, very much like the existence. It's it's in the seams. Yeah, I've, like I've been meaning to watch that for eons. Like it's not. It doesn't go as like it's not as bloody and like like mind melding as like Videodrome. No one's heads explode. It's 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 more like because David Cronenberg like wrote started or at least started like writing the movie around the time he was making Existence. So it's like a, it's like a twenty year old script. Um, so it completely makes sense that it's kind of like it's more like restrained. And and so I understand like why some people are like disappointed by it. Um, but like this is I'm 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 sorry, you're you're give you're give David Cronenberg is giving me like I, uh, I feel like if it was Dino like- Mortensen has a stomach pussy and he gets that eaten by Leah Sadu. So like you can't you can't tell me he's giving us nothing. Um, I I just so, I think um, if anyways, it was my, like my full my full review is is incoming. I got to work on it tomorrow. And I, I think it would be like week. Like if it, if it was like just like the goriest movie he ever made, it would be like kind of try hard. Whereas this feels like he's yeah, just doing yeah, the he, thing he wants to yeah. do, which is what I want out of artists. Just do the thing you want to do. Don't try to. Uh, I mean, there's one thing to like pursue technical excellence whatever but like don't try to impress me or, or do the things like i'm back i'm doing my shtick like whatever just make the movie you want to make that stirs your passions that's all i want out of filmmakers um as for me i've got a uh couple recommendations on top of parallax view which i think is, is a pretty awesome movie um so like i'm i'm like pretty outrageously straight <laughs> 
Two bros chilling in the hot tub, five feet apart because they're not gay. It's, it's, it's Pride Month. Come on. This is no, a no, gay no, but I'm getting, I'm getting that. I'm just saying, but I exist. Okay, 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 okay. Inexplicably, you preface, I am. You preface this with, I'm very fucking straight. Okay. But I, 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 so it's a, I, a really gay I seem movie. to exist in an inexplicably queer cultural context. Like just everybody I know kind of is almost, at least online, which is where all the people I know are. Um, I don't know why that is. It, it's it's always been slightly mysterious to me. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. It's cool. But it's just like I don't understand how I get here, how I got here. I'm fine to be here. I don't know how I got here. I sometimes wonder like why. <laughs> you're just why like, am I'm I the token you, straight like, guy at the party, and you're just like holding your red solo cup, and you're just like like the, the just, meme, like, the guy standing as well. It's like nobody like... knows I'm straight. Um, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knows I'm straight. But I just I, I I wonder about that sometimes. Like, how did I end up? In 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 kind of like queer trans. I thought world. about that too, and then I realized, oh, it's because I'm bisexual. Yes, yeah, see, I'm not, so I I don't have an explanation. <laughs> I think it's just like what happens if you're on the computer a lot. Um, but yeah. I do have a couple uh uh queer films to recommend. Um, you mentioned Greg or Rocky earlier. I want to recommend Nowhere. Yeah, that movie's vibes. Absolutely that's a, that's nowhere. A good, that's a that's a the, enjoyable the movie, movie. I actually watched um while you were still sleeping before we were supposed to start recording is actually very much in the same vein as a Greg Rocky. It's called Terminal USA. It's um uh, it's streaming on Criterion channel. It's like an hour long. It's it's fucking great. So if you if you really like Nowhere or if you love Nowhere, definitely watch Terminal USA. It's like the exact same like cocaine Greg Araki was like shoving up his nose during. That I'll era. have to put that um, on my watch yeah, list. Yeah, nowhere, nowhere is fucking great. And uh, what's the other gay movie? Uh, Funeral Parade of Roses. Oh my god! Really? I was not. I was not expecting you to pull out Funeral P- Parade of Roses. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a, right there. I was. Yeah, not nobody expecting would. You to that's kind that of why. That's kinda, admittedly, that's kind of why I wanted to pull Holy it out because I knew nobody was going to see that one coming. <laughs> That 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 just knocked me the fuck out. I was like, oh my god, that's a real yeah. That's that's a fucking gay actual gay classic. Yeah, no, it's um, it's like really interesting, the, like a real gay classic, and really um, strange. It's it's like it's one of those like six. It's Japanese movie uh, made in the late sixties, and it has this kind of like cinema verite thing with this kind of higher drama weaving through it that then will just. The conclusion of it is kind of like comes at you left field and like really shifts the movie tonally. But it's 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 a really interesting movie as a movie and as like a glimpse into the gay, the the, the queer culture and the counterculture in Japan in that time. Um, like it's like also, a, also kind of does a couple of stylistic things that I think uh, Hideaki Anno later like. Looked Maybe, at, like, yeah. That, that in my uh, sad robot anime. Yeah, but it's like it's a really interesting, uh, fascinating movie. As, as a guy like a room, every everything movie. in it's it I'm seeing is movie. sort of alien, and it's it, it, like just it's a good like it's a good movie too. But it's it's such a different both in <laughs> terms of time and like, place and culture. I'm glad they're having such a, fun. <laughs> but it's such a different perspective, and that's I think one of the really amazing things. Yeah about film in any medium of art is being able to 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 get a different perspective on the world or or look at a diff- at the world from a different time or place or experience and that's why like so much representation stuff is frustrating because it's like i just want m- 
my experience, as I understand it, at the most superficially symbolic level reflected back at me. Um, and this is true. Like the guys that claim, oh, like the guys that complain about there being like gay people in a movie are are, are, are guilty of this in the same way in much larger numbers. Um, and that to me seems to be like missing the point. The same with so much representation stuff being just like slotting in people with different identities into the same movies that say the same stuff they always did. Yeah. It's like like to me like real meaningful diversity would be spreading out the resources to make movies and shows yes. and art to a lot of different types yes. of people that aren't trying to please everyone or slot into anything. So you can get real, like d- not just diversity in a checklist sense, but real diversity of like perspectives and experiences and ideas and styles. Yes. Um, but yeah, yes, yeah. If you don't the Russos need to stop, get, stop letting the Russos make movies. Stop. They've basically just been handed the keys to like the movie making well, I mean, and we're we're just we're just like it's the Russo's world they, now. We're they all brought just this. They, the production went smoothly. They brought the movie in on time and on budget. It made a bunch of money. And I mean, I, I assuming if they, everyone had fun on set, they're like easy enough to work with. And being like sitcom oh, yeah. guys, I assume they like because I mean, really, with with like all the effects and all the pre visualization stuff, all you really need the director for is just the dramatic comic scenes between the actors just to get those performances. Yeah. That's really all you need them for. And so like, that's what guys like that will give you. That's where they slot in into the machine. It's like a really limited concept of what a director is and does. Um, yeah. So I guess, so yeah, that's damn, this is our longest, this might end up being our longest episode. Uh, let me so. see our timestamps. Um, uh, it might be. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, this is our so. this is our turning point. This is I think I th- I, I thought it would be Avengers, but it's not really. It's this. This is really I think where we start. Well, I we'll see how we'll see how I think Guardians, Guardians of the, the Galaxy, Galaxy holds is up. Next. That'll be yeah, we'll that see. might be the high water mark for the whole thing. Maybe. We'll see. it's been a few years cuz I I remembered liking the first two thirds of this movie and then not liking and then really hating kind of the ending. And then I watched it again. I was like, oh, no, this whole movie is just like really mediocre and, and, and kind of slipshod. Um, but yeah, thank you yeah, again, so. everybody, for thank you for listening, listening <laughs> and checking us out. And please come back for more when we yeah. when we return with uh, say, is it Guardians of the Galaxy next? Gar- Guardians. Yeah. Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, and then when's yep. when's like the next non-Marvel movie that's of this type, like a DC movie or a big franchise thing that's worth probably, talking about? I think it, it I think it's going to fucking be Batman versus Superman. And like, what was that? 2016? Was that 26? Was that that late? So that's so we still got we still got a couple more Marvel movies. Yeah. No, DC, like after fucking Man of Steel, they were like scrambling and oh, yeah, yeah, March they, they just put out another shitty movie. Yeah, so that's they they they're playing catch up. Um, while Marvel's already releasing like two movies a year, and that's gonna be increased to like fucking five. Yeah, nowadays the um, machine just yeah, revs uh, up until it collapses in on itself. It's uh, getting close to one o'clock in the morning. Oh, you're right. Yeah, East, East Coast. Coast. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to try to 
go to bed before I have to start writing about Crimes of the Future yeah. tomorrow. Nicole's going to oh. pass out, yeah. and I'm probably, because my sleep schedule's been so fucked, I'm just going to probably stay up all You're night. You're going to go back to sleep. No, I'm, I'm probably going to end up just like staying up till like 5 in the morning or something. All right. Good night, everybody, and uh, we're with you to the end of the line. <laughs> Good night, and remember, uh, don't trust the government.